Hi, welcome to episode number 239 of the Apple Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Head. I'd like to thank everybody who shops on Amazon and supports this show. I thank you so much for doing that. You too can support the show by going to appalock.ca slash Amazon or appalock.ca slash US Amazon. You can also do it the old-fashioned way by going to the appalock.ca homepage and click on those banners located on the right side, locate your country, and every time you shop on Amazon, you'll be supporting the show. We'd also thank uh, everybody who supports me on Patreon. You too, you can, you can support me on Patreon if you want. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis and help with hosting and gas fees, and you can cancel at any time. You can go buy a t-shirt by going to appalock.ca slash shop. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Give it five stars, please. You can like the show on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash pod And follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Today on the show, I have Mr. Jamie Mittendorf. Jamie is the founder of Blackout Fest, which is uh, takes place in Brantford, Ontario in October. And it's actually on October 18th and 19th of 2019 this year. You can go see that show. Go buy some tickets by going to blackoutfest.net. Yeah, there's some great bands, great bands on this. There's Penske File, Anti-Queens, Seaway, Direct Hit, and actually there's going to be an interview coming up with, with Nick from Direct Hit in a couple of weeks from now. Um, and also, before you before we get into this, I want to let you know that there'll be an extra episode coming out this Friday, because I took, I took a week off to go do some family camping. So there you go. So yeah, a lot of bands, a lot of bands on this, and it's, um, it's a festival that takes place on multiple clubs, and uh, the whole town... In embraces this. So anyways, here he is, Mr. Jamie Mittendorf, the founder of Blackout Fest on the Apple Out Podcast. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Yeah. Your festival's been going for how many years now? 13 years now. 13 years. 13 years. Holy shit. I didn't know it was going <laughs> that many years. I knew it had been going, and I knew it was one of the biggest ones, but 13 years. Yeah. it's. Um, I didn't think it would last this long, but I'm, I'm only 28. I started when I was real young. You're like Alex from Montebello. Alex <laughs> yeah, Martel. I think he's a little bit older than I am. But, yeah, uh, he started when he was 17. He started 17, the same. Yeah. yeah, I think it was 15 or 16 when I started. <laughs> yep. That's, I, you know, I always have such amazing respect for people that take an idea and make it into like something that's a, a thing. It's definitely, just, it's like at 15 years old, you just want to see your favorite bands, right? Is that the that's exactly it? That's exactly it. So, what were and the first bands in the early days? Um, I think the f- the first um, the first Blackout Fest the headliner was Baptized in Blood from London. Yeah, um, metal band. Uh, I think they were on Roadrunner Records, if, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Um, who else did I have? Um, Abandoned All Ships. I think were one of the first ones. Um, counterparts. Um, back in the day, it was definitely more of a a metal punk festival because that's what was. Uh, that's what was working well in Brantford at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, 
over the years, it's definitely um, shifted. Um, metal basically is non-existent in Brantford anymore. There's a couple shows here and there, but there's literally zero local metal bands from Brantford right now. So mm-hmm. shifted gears, and now it's it's basically punk rock and pop punk. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess like all good businesses, you kind of have to adapt to exactly. uh, what's changing and, and where it's going. Like, look at the Warp Tour. I mean, exactly. like, it started well, it's off changed. Yeah, oh, yeah. a lot. Ska Punk Festival, and now it was a borderline emo, um, mostly pop punk emo, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. there was a time when it came through, and I was one of the, I, I did, um, I worked for SNFU for many years. Okay, uh, yep. year, years ago and uh we did the first one in toronto and it was like uh, orange nine millimeter uh wizzo l7 uh, it was supposed to be sublime but they couldn't get across the border <laughs> and it was at scenic grandstand <clears throat> and it went through like one of the last years it went through uh, just a couple of years ago i was like what well, i don't know any of these bands what happened yeah. what happened <clears throat> did i grow up or did just, just the music change i think the music changed obviously right the music's definitely changed yep yeah so, so yeah so when you when you get bands together are you more of a friend thing going on or are you still do you have people out scouting like how do you how do you get all this because you got a lot of bands on your festival i think i have over 85 this year <laughs> how many stages it's uh there are five stages right yep so um a few different venues um um a few of those venues we can we can do multiple stages inside those venues they're big enough where we can do that which uh, which always helps uh, with costs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess um, I'm fortunate enough where I can I'm able to put on um, bands that I am friends with and whatnot. But I do have to look at the bigger picture and think about what other people want to see as well. So I, I, I could put a festival with all my favorite bands on it, but I guarantee it wouldn't be too successful <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be, you'd be the first one like yeah yeah exactly yeah, and there'd be like nobody there no yeah. i get it and it's For tough sure. that's drawing a line between uh the the heart of the festival and yep. and the actual the monetization part where it needs to mm-hmm. make money back and it needs to continue on to the next year exactly because you really have a big one big shot and there's so many variables you know what i mean like how everything about how it all goes you know like yep you know how the bands are you know because you book the bands months in advance and for sure any of these bands just break up or it just doesn't happen (laughs) it must be a logistical nightmare yeah it 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 definitely uh i think last year alone i think i had 15 bands um cancel within the within the um the last two weeks leading up to the festival so it's uh it's it, it is a logistical nightmare but uh the team i have um uh, has been working with me for a while now and it's 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 uh it's come together i think i finally um figured it out more or less <laughs> after 13 years <laughs> <laughs> so do you uh, do you do it over sorry I, I you do it over a few days right two days yeah yeah and yep. there's is it similar to like a burly calling thing where there's like several venues or like exactly a, that, yeah yeah that's exactly it yeah and the town of uh the town of Brantford seems town to Brantford Ontario they seem to appreciate the fact that there's like a bunch of people with nose piercings and, and tattoos all over them <laughs> they like to come through and and you know exactly it does it must in- inject something into the economy a little bit like I think it definitely does yeah um yeah because. A lot of the, um, I'd say about 90 for 95, 90 to 95% of the bands aren't even from Brantford. 
Yeah. Um, there's maybe a small handful of, of actual Brantford bands that do end up playing the festival. It's not that, um, like, I guess I could put more on, but with the whole punk rock, pop punk theme that I'm going with, there's just, there's only a few to really pick from, really. Yeah. 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 Do you have like a hometown stage kind of thing or is it a... No, it's... Yeah. Not really. No, it's whoever plays wherever, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the bigger bands at the bigger venues and whatnot, but... Yeah, Andy Queens. Yeah. Andy Queens, yes. They're awesome. They are. I yeah. like that, that new song they just put out is uh, very good. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emily yeah. sang on a band uh, I play in. They sang some some uh, some backups on a... Okay. Yeah, I play in a band called The Fairmounts, and we, uh, we had very her cool. sing some music on it. Nice. Yeah, and she's yeah, awesome. She actually was but on the show a while she played a while ago. She played uh she played acoustic guitar in my car as we drove around <laughs> the streets of Toronto. Nice. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. Nice. Yeah, very they're a cool band. Like they, we we play with them a few times. They're just, yeah. just good good people, you For know. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh and the Penske File, great band Penske another. Penske File, yep. Fucking great I've band. I've had them uh, I think I've had them two yeah, they played 2 years ago with um at the Creep Show and uh, Brutal Youth. They yeah. played as well. Yep. Yeah. So you must have a pretty uh, strong um, like a presence with Hamilton bands and There are there are quite a few Hamilton bands that do end up playing the festival, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, well it's only twenty minutes from Branford. Um yeah. it's basically as close as Hamilton is to Oakville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More or less. Yeah. So I mean when you were fifteen years old and you wanted to put together a festival, did you anticipate it to be at this magnitude or do you want it to go bigger? Like what are your expectations like like going into from where it is where it started and where it is now? So I, every year I think about where I want to take the festival and I've uh I've definitely taken some steps and figured out what I what I kinda wanna do, what I can do, and then what I can't do with the festival. So uh yeah, when I first started, it was like an all-day Saturday event at one venue in Brantford from like 2 to 11 o'clock with, uh, I think, 9 or 10 bands. And then it sort of grew into a uh, a two-day thing, a Friday, Saturday. And then um, I think I scaled it back a bit. I think I ended up doing one day um, a few years back and then... Um, the scene in Brantford wasn't doing too well maybe five, six years ago. And uh, there was one year I wasn't even going to do it. And uh, a, bun- a bunch of friends basically uh, convinced me to do it. Hey, just like, even if it's s- smaller scale, just do it. Like you, you, you have, you have a big group of people who, uh, who th- that's the one show they'll go out to in Brantford is, mm-hmm. is blackout fest more or less. So I thought and decided to actually uh, make it um, try and make it something bigger. So a few years ago, I did three days. I did uh, I did a punk rock night, a pop punk night, and a metal night. Well, I'll never do three days again. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, by day three, I was uh, a zombie. Basically, yeah. I just uh, it was it was too much work. It was definitely too much work. So. Last year I scaled it back to uh, two days, and it's it's more manageable from from all ends basically. And mm-hmm. um, I think for now on, that's how I'm going to do it. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and uh, for now, stick with the uh, the punk rock and the pop punk because that's that's what's working right now. And uh, I mean, 
why change it if it's uh, it's not broken? Absolutely. You know, and yeah. if if you want it to grow, it's knowing where the music's going, like how it's changing. Exactly. So you can kind of adapt and, and, and make it, you know, who knows? It might just be all whatever. Might be yeah. well. It will it ever be all metal? <clears throat> I don't know. Like not a, no. Is I don't metal so. coming back? Like who's the savior of metal these days? Is who's who's going to bring it back? That's the thing. I I don't I Me don't neither. even know. I've been I've been so out of the loop with uh, with metal these days that I just I I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's tough with metal too because you know, I don't know. Is it? At least pop punk, people are happy and positive, and if they're saying something negative, at least it's got a catchy tune to it. You know what I mean? There's, yeah, exactly. There's something. You know what I mean? There's, it's a soft, It's a sugar pill. You're getting something that's a, a little bit more uh, infused rather than having. I am. It reminds me. I did. The, I used to work for a band called Voivod. I worked for Voivod, and um, we were on tour and we went and played Metal Fest in like Milwaukee, and mm-hmm. uh, it was the most depressing day ever. It was like everyone was just like. Ugh. There's a lot of blitz. And the best oh, part yeah. is I got, I got to see Misfits and Guar in, in the same night. That was the best part of that whole night. That whole that's probably the only, Yeah, that's the first and last time you'll probably yeah. ever see those two playing together. Yeah. <laughs> and um, But it was just a bit of a drag because it was yeah. like, it was so much, ugh. maybe because it was 20 years ago. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, Power Pop punk rock that's sort of uh that's a it's it's interesting i don't know where that even sits in the popularity you know what i mean like where where does all this fit yeah um it's definitely more accessible i think pop punk is definitely more mainstream than metal obviously yeah um like look at blink 182 blink 182 like that was mainstream 20 years ago every single kid in my high school knew well still knows yeah every every Blink song that was uh, that was on the radio, yeah. So uh, and, and metal has never gotten to that point. Well, there was times like Metallica and the Black well, Album. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess maybe forty years ago. Yeah, yeah. But definitely yeah. not in uh, in the two thousands. No, no, and they, and then they yeah, I mean like bands like Metallica kind of held the torch, but are also yeah. shunned for being not metal. Like you know what I yeah, mean? Like exactly, a lot of bands yeah. sort of went, that's not metal anymore. Right. You know? But they uh, they 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 did okay. <laughs> yeah oh i'd say so yeah but, uh, yeah yeah and i know what they i don't know if you heard what they did with uh ticketmaster recently nope nope they um ticketmaster um owns stubhub who is that ticket ticket reselling company yeah and uh right off the bat from their i think it was their 2016 tour they sold eighty five thousand tickets right to stubhub for to inflate the price so basically Metallica and Ticketmaster pocketed a ton of money. So all these tickets that were supposed to go out to the public on Ticketmaster went right to StubHub Dee. for for two to three times the amount of what the ticket was supposed to be. That's collusion. That's a that's, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Like how <laughs> and nobody caught that, right? Like they they just um, there was a big thing about it maybe a month ago, and met, like the guys in Metallica said they. Uh, they had no idea. It was like their yeah, manager bullshit. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Call bullshit on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So when it when it comes to like uh, you know music and ethics, it sounds like you kind of kind of grounded. Anyways, it's it's like the the other thing about punk rock is that there's always been sort of a nice um, networking and community based version of 
a little ecosystem, you know what I mean? And definitely, it definitely is, yeah. And it feeds itself, and that's a good thing about punk rock, you know. And yep. maybe metal doesn't hold those values as strong, or maybe I just don't know. But it seems to me that punk rock sort of has a little bit more of a hold on a second, hold on, because punkers were the ones getting beaten up by the metal guys back in high school. Exactly, you know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do you, I guess it's easier to work with people that have a little bit more of a moral compass than for sure, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah like back in the day, like. Um, I actually started running shows when I was 14. Um, and then the festival sort of came along a few years after that. Yeah. But um, so I, right off the bat, I, I did metal and punk. And I remember the metal shows being a lot tougher to book. Um, not just tougher in general, just the, the members of, of these bands thinking that they can bully around a, a 14 year old promoter. <laughs> and uh, I remember there was one show I, Cannot remember who it was at all, but there it was a t- two touring bands. One band um, couldn't make it for whatever reason, and the other band told me when they loaded in, and they tried to get me to pay um, the guarantee for the other band. <laughs> um, it was like, and it was like fifty bucks more than what they uh, than what we even agreed on. <sighs> So I, I remember saying, I was like, dude, like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, I didn't, this isn't, this isn't like a, a live nation show where you have contracts and everything. You're playing the Ford plant to 50 people, maybe on yeah. a Tuesday night. Um, sorry. <laughs> so how did that, I mean, cause it can get rough too, right? Cause people can kind of yeah. get physical in all of this and, and, you know, how do you. I had, I had someone steal the PA from, from the venue at a um at a show that i threw on because uh i can't i can't remember why but they uh they stole the pa and um the one guy ratted um the other guy out saying yeah man like we like this guy took it um i'll bring it back to you monday because this is like who the hell does that (laughs) and and then they ended up breaking up because i guess okay (laughs) hilarious oh it's so i mean the do you find though, like when you're dealing with independent artists, though, there's always that sort of because I recorded bands for many, many years, and it was always tough to sort of get, first of all, an agreement and then money, you know, and, and it was always oh, yeah. tough working with people who, first of all, are new in the biz, and second yeah. of all, think that they are not new in the biz and can do whatever they want. For sure, yeah. Like I remember, um, right from the start, I told myself, hey, like. If if you if you if you want to make it doing this, if you if you make a guarantee with a band or whatever the agreement is, you have to stick to it. Even if you lose a couple hundred bucks, it's not worth um, these other bands telling, "Hey, like don't work with this guy." It's yeah. like you're you're not going to get your money more or less. So I made sure because um, I heard tons of stories, and I still hear tons of stories of promoters um, flaking out on um, on paying bands, and it's always new promoters because they don't know what they're doing they end up overpaying for the band because again they don't know what yeah. they're doing the show ends up losing a thousand bucks and they're like well i don't have the money and i was like well you're gonna have to go to the atm and get the money because we have a contract yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> i have a sim i have a story like that i worked for an indie band called made and uh we were doing uh we we're doing a show i think it was like in a bowling alley or something but it was the guy who was the sound guy was like this cranky man who said all his good gear was down. That's every sound yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> every, yeah. He said his good rig 
was down at somewhere, a caravan or something. And I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, and then it was this shit, like horrible PA, like with like one monitor mix. And it was like, well, our guarantee, our rider says we need four mixes and uh, this yeah. isn't good. And then nobody came. So it was like, oh shit. Now, and and the singer for Made goes, well, we're going to give the promoter a t-shirt because it looks like he lost his one on the screen. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was that bad. <laughs> so at the end of the night, the PA uh, guy's there and I'm there and the tour manager. And, and so the guy puts down like 70 bucks on the table in front of the two of us. Yep. And he goes, okay, that's all I got. I'm like, well, okay, well, first of all, I think it was like 300 bucks or something. It wasn't even like a big guarantee. Yeah. And the PA guy, I think, was more. So I said, well, seeing if, you know, whatever, this is all we got, then we'll have to split it in percentage at this point. And then you can worry about getting your money, and we'll worry about getting our money later. And he goes, I've worked for Coney Hatch and Kim Mitchell and tr- all these shitty bands. Well, not, you know, all these bands. And goes, I, I'm not, yeah. ah, and he's stamping his on the table and i go whoa this is crazy so then the singer from may gets in his face and what the fuck are you yelling at dude there's no money so it all they're all face to face and and neither would like throw a punch and then at the end of it all the promoter comes up in perfect timing behind everybody with his bike he goes you can have my bike <laughs> i'm like dude i don't want your bike the bike i can't sell oh, your bike man. it won't fit in their car like it won't fit in the van well, so. yeah exactly here's my bike <laughs> But that's, that's always like there's always like one of those sketchy weird <clears throat> promoters in every town and and it's Definitely tough is. and it gives guys like you a bad name because there isn't always that but you have that sort of a oh here we go feeling you know oh yeah exactly like how do you how immediately you must just how do you deal with the fact like if it is a small venue how did you deal with the fact that I, you knew what you're doing at the age of fifteen because people are ageist there's a lot of ageist people out there for sure. Um, Luckily, I think a lot of people did put their trust in me. There, there was definitely a handful of bands in Brantford that I think they still don't like me for whatever reason. Maybe they thought they they all deserved to get a hundred bucks on a Friday night where there were forty people there, and sure. obviously not good at math, realizing that I can't pay six bands a hundred bucks each yeah. um, for a door deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and then I remember a few of them started running there running their own shows well they only did one each realizing hey this yeah, is this sucks <laughs> this is a lot harder than uh than it looks yeah so it's um but luckily i think uh i am lucky where people did put their trust in me and uh i think it's paid off for sure yeah but you know and i just think about all the you know you you must like there takes a lot of drive to like sort of come out of a bad show and go into another show knowing that, oh shit, if I don't get anything on this show, it could be the end of my, you know, business. And definitely, you know, because, and I do get it. I know promoters win and lose. That's why when promoters come yep. to me and say, well, I don't have any money for you. That's so bullshit. You made a ton of cash on that other show you did. So I, show, yep. I know sure. you, and this is the business, the business, you yep. win some, and you lose some, and this is one of those lose sums. And, uh, no one does this for fun and no one does this if they're only losing money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one reason, and it's for the love of music and just for exactly. promoting. You know, I knew a friend of mine in Thunder Bay, and he was the only guy in Thunder Bay that would put on independent, like, all-ages all shows. Yep. And he would just do it, and I'm like, some bands would show up without any instruments, thinking that they could just play other people's gear and stuff. Like, and I get that a lot, too. Yeah. 
<laughs> you're almost <laughs> like you're doing an educational like service to the young to like how to be professional in this business because it goes both ways right oh yeah i well I, I send out like lots of emails before before each festival explaining um what to bring what not to bring because we have we like we do have a back line for every stage um and i t and i in the email i'm like tell every single member of your band um or just four of this to every single member of your band tell them exactly what's going on and i remember last year's festival um so my my band harbor plays every year as well so mm -hmm. we we just leave um all of our gear at at like at the festival at all times knowing that some band is going to need one of our, like one of our <laughs> instruments so I remember last year, 15 bands needed something. Wow. 15 bands. I could not believe it. There was um, one band that didn't bring any heads. No guitar no, amps. Yeah. No, no, no guitar amps at all. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I thought that was in the email. I was like, no, cabs. Cabs were in the, in the email, not heads. <laughs> so I just, I have to spell it out. Like you have to bring, if yeah. you have a combo amp, bring your combo amp. If you have... Yeah. A guitar head and a cabinet. Leave your cabinet at home, yeah. and you can use ours. Bring yeah. your head. <laughs> yeah, there's. A, I'm do. We're my band. We're doing the Bose Fest, uh, the Bose All Natural Fest in. Uh, yep. In September, and yeah, Kevin Hughes puts it together. He's a similar. His job is to sort of maintain all the things, and uh, his emails are very, very like, very, very to the point. And say, yes, you know, here's they, they have to be. Here's what's happening, be. you know. Yep. And I, I tour manage bands, so I have to be the other side of it where it's like exactly. here's what we are and here's what we need. And yep. and then if someone says we don't got that, then we know. And then we'll say, Okay, well we'll bring it. You know what I mean? But yep. exactly. It's just, you know, communication is so funny. Like we live in a world in a in a thing where we have communication devices in our pockets that can like, you know, we can sit here and talk on phones and we can email and but seems like the more um, availability to technology, the more people are willing to sort of mess it up somehow. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how somehow. To, yeah, somehow, somehow it happens. Yeah. And, and I have no idea why. I no just, idea. just think that it's like, because there's so much choice, like, like I'm a, I'm a technical director at a theater in Richmond Hill and I have to constantly email people. It's their show. Like guys, you know, I need information for sure. You know, but people, I don't know if they really just, um, I don't know. They have it at their fingertips, so they're like, "Ah, oh, we'll just let that go because it's rude." It's like when you see somebody at a bar and you go, "Hey, man, how you doing?" They just turn around and walk away. And you're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy how it is like that, but it just seems like people are just they read it once and they think they get all the information and then they miss half of what's listed. The important stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, they'll read the stuff they think that pertains to them, but it doesn't, and then they'll take exactly. it and then use it as a yeah. <laughs> or they just forget to tell the rest of the band. And that's I think that's what is the big problem. Oh yeah, definitely. Like why don't you leave it yeah, why don't you leave it in the in the hands of artists? That's where it falls oh, yeah. off the rails sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you um man, like 'cause I, I do uh, I appreciate the fact that someone can go to that effort to uh to you know, further arts and culture, you know, in, in Ontario or Canada in general, because these types of festivals are relatively new when it comes to like multi-venued sure. festivals, you know, like there you, was, um, there was Koi Fest in Kitchener. There was Scene Fest in St. Catharines. Um, 
they were basically the the pioneers in this whole multi multi venue punk rock pop punk emo mm-hmm. movement in the um early 2000s late 2000s and that's back then that's kind of what i wanted to get blackout fest too but on mm-hmm. on a little bit smaller of a scale like um this definitely is like it's not my full-time job i, I have a full-time job um i play in a, two bands um it's just i don't have the time to be um doing this like 365 days out of the year but it's it's definitely it definitely takes me five to six months out of the year um a lot of hours because um all the booking i do myself all the um most of the logistics um it's me um all the artwork is me um and then like the the day of like at the festival i have a big team um helping as well which um, I definitely couldn't do it without uh, without all their help, for sure. Yeah, and it's being able to sort of wrangle all that talent in your team to all move and have the same direction. Like I, exactly. I, uh, um, you know, I think back to uh, any other festival where it's like there's a specific order in how things work, right? And as soon as somebody goes against the specific direction then it, it's really tough to get back on track. Exactly. You yep. know, so, I mean, you must have to, like, really let people know exactly what their role is. I know, because you're dealing with exactly. a ve- multi-venues. There's one representative per venue. Then you For have sure. your person running around doing all the, the just-in-case stuff and, you know, exactly. need, a, need a bass amp over here and this and that and the other thing. And yep. uh, do, you, do you get sponsors for Backline, or you just have to go rent it all yourself? So um, I own a lot of gear myself, and then... Uh, <laughs> Long McQuaid uh, is sponsoring this year. Um, we'll be getting them to, to provide uh, some backline as well. Yeah, that's important because, yeah, Definitely. it's good to have. Uh, yeah, when they did Canadian Music Week down in Toronto, the same thing. I it was, uh, did a few a couple of years ago, and I was always like, just how does this work? Like, how do you guys, there must be like <laughs> this big five-ton truck goes by on every whatever Sunday evening and just gets all the gear. That's, um, I, I, I was actually hired by uh, CMW. Uh, maybe five years ago and that was my job um <laughs> i had i don't know maybe a hundred amps in uh the back of a um one of those big uh u-haul vans and my job was to go to all these venues uh drop the back line off and then basically um be on call um oh shit uh base amp at cherry colas uh blew up you got to go bring another one there so we would go to Cherry Colas, grab the bad one, label what happened or whatever, and then, <laughs> and then go go to the garrison for this for that. And yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of work. It was it it sounds easy, but it was a ton of work. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. especially when you're driving yeah. a big truck because you have to find somewhere exactly. to park and yeah. blah 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 blah. In, yeah, Toronto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big, yeah, big yeah. U-Haul. That, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I worked for the Descendants uh, on 2010 when we did uh, North by North east and uh and my my buddy i'm not gonna say his name but he was the guy that walked drove around with a guy and paid everybody um and his oh. <laughs> he had like hundreds of thousands of dollars oh, on him his job geez. was to go around and pay people and wow. he had a bodyguard who was this monster like bill stevenson's a big guy but this guy <laughs> just shadowed bill stevenson because wow. it was they're paying me in American money, it's all sequential uh, serial numbers. Like, it's right <laughs> yeah. from the mint. And I'm wow. counting it. And they have um, this board that you, for the, the um, 
for all. They have uh, the quest for all, and it's all their like commandments or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm counting all this money on a thing, and Bill Stevens comes walking, and this security guy goes, "You can't come in here!" And he's like, this fucking monster <laughs> man. And wow. uh, but his job was to go around and pay everybody, and it was like, wow. I that'd be frightening, you know. Oh, uh, it definitely would be. Yeah, yeah. So you um. Well, it's, I mean, it sounds like like it's a great festival, man. Like, and and uh, I hope it all uh, hope it all works out because it's a, it's a. Do you do an outside one too? Like, is there like a big sort of? Are you gonna? Do you don't do the? Do you do the big monster show too, or do you all in in venues? It's it's just venues this yeah. year. I, that's that's definitely a thought I've had. Um, maybe do an outdoor stage eventually, um, but I know what it costs to. Uh, to get a stage in there to get uh to get PA and it is it's a lot. Oh yeah. It's no. A lot a lot a lot of money and um you definitely have to jump through some hoops with the city as well. Generally because, has to be uh, free, right? You can't like I mean you could I guess, but it depends where it is. Yeah, so where um like the the main venue, uh Club Envy downtown, the parking lot I've always thought would be ideal for for that kind of setup, an right. outdoor stage, but um, cause it's, it's sort of blocked off, um, three sides. Mm-hmm. So there's one open side from the road. You could always put up some gating, some high gating. So people could essentially have yeah. to walk in to see anything. So th- that's definitely a thought I've had for the last four to five years, but, um, it'd probably be another five grand cost at least. And there's to sound, get everything. sound level rules and exactly. And I could probably only run that till nine or ten o'clock i don't don't know brantford's a weird city in the terms of uh it's not like toronto where like you're you can have sound up until 11 yeah 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 so we did uh young and dundas square and it was an interesting way because pas are so smart now that it was a 90 89 db limit at the at young street so the guys would come and read it but the way they had tipped the pa down was just like it was smoking loud where the people were watching. Oh, uh, okay. Because you could direct the PA in a perfect. Right, and yeah. I mean that twenty years ago, you'd never be able to get away with the volumes exactly. we were pushing. And yeah. uh, but I mean that's good to know that you're not going to you know people aren't going to be ah it needs to be turned up because that's you know what I mean. You think about punk rock yeah. and it's like at ninety dB. You're like yeah, we can have a conversation right now. Exactly. Well, that, yeah, that's sort of <laughs> counterproductive for the anarchy and the getting craziness part of it all. For sure. Well, hey man, I uh, yeah, I hope it all works out, and you know, like I'm, it's good to meet you, and uh, you as well. Now I know who to pitch when my band wants to play a festival in a venue sometime in October. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. And that was Mr. Jamie Mittendorf, founder of Blackout Fest man show nice and short sweet episode too by the way uh yeah thanks for being patient i took two weeks off actually i said i took a week off but i actually took two weeks between uh now and mr ron hawkins that came out two weeks ago and um i have no excuse it's the first time in almost five years i took more than one week off so sue me (laughs) sue me anyways anyways great episode I have a bonus episode coming out this Friday, and it will be, it's going to be with Tino Valpa, who he runs Pine Hill Records, and he's doing a, basically a swing record, but with punk rock in it. Yeah, it's going to be a good episode. He, he had to call in, so it's a phoner, but, you know, don't let, don't let that disparage you. It's going to be a fun episode. 
Okay. So back on track. I got some episodes in the bank. I got some great, great conversations coming up over the next a couple of weeks. I still might... Well, no, I'm not going to take any weeks off. I'm going to hit, hit the ground running when September hits. That's when podcast season hits full force. All right, everybody. Yeah, coming up on five years. Five years of podcasts. That's longer than I've been in any band. That's pretty... Well, yeah, it's pretty much longer than I've been in a... Yeah, longer than I've been in a band for. So, anyways, I don't know what that says. One guy can talk behind a mic and do things longer than it takes to be in a room with a bunch of other people. There you go. You do the math. Hey, so have a great week. And we'll see you in a couple of days. Okay? Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth.